A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. It's probably not going to be the longest of tennis podcasts from day two of the French Open because my special guests today are the dream commentary duo of Chris Bradham and Joe Jury and they have just hot-footed it from the commentary box, which they were in for more than three hours, commentating on the gruelling exhausting experience that was Kiki Mladenovic up against Jennifer Brady. Would one of you care to sum up that three-hour experience? Joe, you can go. I think we feel as though we've played the match as well. It's pretty hot in the commentary box. And, uh, you know, we were feeling for the players because they were finding it so difficult to play through the tension and and everything that was going on out there. So you do feel for the players. But, you know... Everyone was saying, oh, that was an awful match. But actually, it was very watchable because you didn't know who was going to win. You couldn't take your eyes off it, could you? 91 unforced errors, Chris, and yet it was still a highly entertaining match. What, was, what in your view, was going on there with Kiki Mladenovic? Was it stress, nerves, crowd, genuine injury or sort of stress-related injury? Because even if a stress is sort of caused, even if an injury is caused by psychological fa- factors... It is nonetheless an injury, right? So you can't sort of detach the mental from the physical. Absolutely. They're they're absolutely linked. And I think everything you just said, everything was in there. They were both unbelievably nervous from the beginning of the match. And it was was almost like if you play really badly sometimes, you can bring your opponent down to that sort of level. And I think that's what was going on throughout. brought one another down. (laughs) They they really did throughout the match because as soon as one came down, you thought, well, the other one's surely going to get a grip of this now. And it, and it was the complete opposite. I mean, Kiki had, what, three, three bites at serving it out before she finally did it. And in the end, she somehow managed to find a way to drag herself over the line. I must say, I think the umpire played a significant part in the end. I mean, Joe mentioned it in commentary twice. But when there were those prolonged chats about the so-called where the ball bounced and all this sort of stuff, Mladenovic played so much better afterwards as a result. But there's no doubt in my mind the umpire totally lost control of that match. Totally. Do you agree, Joe? Yes, I do. I mean, why would you argue for so long with a player? Went on minutes. Basically, you're going to say, you know, that this was the mark, it's out, let's play. But why did she have such a long argument? Because actually it fed Kiki. It made her mad, angry, and every time she played better after. 
Just a quick one before we move on to just chat about other events of the day. The crowd, the French crowd, they are fickle, aren't they? We know that. This is a very good example of that. You were talking a lot in commentary, Joe, about how you were wanting them to do that kiki chant. They only started doing it sort of midway through the second set. It's like they wouldn't cheer for her when they needed her. It was only when she was on top that they started cheering for her. But when she needed them was when she was struggling. Yeah, it seemed like that. And also we didn't understand where, where were the crowd. It was like half full most of the time. They didn't start chanting really until her supporters started doing it. She had a lot of supporters in that box. They started doing it, and then gradually it got going. And as it got tight in the third, then they did the Mexican wave, and then the atmosphere was fantastic. They finally realised they had a match on their hands. I mean, and can I just say that? I mean, I now understand why Joe was really wanting Kiki's fans to turn up and do the Kiki chant because they are a fine-looking bunch of lads. I haven't seen a bigger smile on Joe's face for quite some time. Her whole mood in the match completely changed when they arrived. Brad, so did the mood in the match. Radis has ignored my instructions not to bring the tennis podcast down to his level. So moving swiftly on, I know you guys have been very much focused on that match today, but anything else caught your eye? Did either of you see any of Djokovic or Nadal? or how else did we have in action today on the women's side? Who was on before we had Muguruza winning very convincingly against Schiavone? What's caught your eye? Yeah, she, I thought she was in a great mood. She had that look in her eye. I thought she played fantastically well, really took it to her opponent. Joe's just going off. It really has been a long shift. Chris, the other half of the dream commentary duo. Joe's just been thinking about the Kiki team again. <laughs> Uh, Nadal or Djokovic, did you catch either of those two? The breezes. We're standing on the balcony outside the broadcast cafe just below the commentary boxes, and it's been another scorching hot day, but finally, finally, we've got a little bit of breeze. It's delightful, isn't it? It really is, and I think it was a bit of a breeze for Nadal in the end today. Oh, Chris! (laughs) (laughs) He had a dangerous opponent, potentially. I mean, we talk about flamboyance and flair with the French. I mean, pair. Should have been a nut. Sum him up for me in, in three words, well, Chris. I mean, Benoit Paire is, they broke the mould. There's no doubt about that. He could be such a great player, but discipline, which we talk about a lot of the French do, do, do the French use a mould? Do they have a mould? <laughs> I don't think sure. they do. But, I mean, Nadal in the end, I mean, he's, he's not a shoo-in, as he has been for many years here at the French Open, but he's definitely my favourite. I think he looks amazing. And i just say quickly about Novak Djokovic. One convincingly... But I wasn't convinced with his body language, the amount of looks he gave to the box, and obviously to this new relationship with that with Agassi. There was a dip there in that third set, which he wouldn't have had this time last year, I think. Yeah, I think he's lost that ruthlessness that he had. The, the stuff he does with the ball boys at the end of the match, what is that, Novak? I think it's a PR offensive. Well, it, it just but doesn't. they do love him here in Paris. Well, they do, but for me that just doesn't work. Focus on your new relationship with Agassi and winning matches again. That's what he really needs to be focused on. So, yes, a convincing win in terms of the scoreline and everything else, but I'm not convinced. My favourite moment of the day, though, was Boris Becker pop- popping into I the know. players' box just to say a quick hello to Andre Agassi. What, could he not have chosen a, a, a better moment for that? cheeky wasn't it and I love the way Andre was trying to do a lendl he was sitting there trying not to react he did clap a little bit actually he looked like he was sitting on his hands didn't he to try and stop himself from reacting just quickly while I have you because I know you have very pressing dinner plans a very quick look ahead to tomorrow Joe Conter has been put on Philip Chatrier tomorrow kicking things off against Suete first of all that's great for her to play on Chatrier isn't it second of all how is she going to be feeling is she pressure off here in Paris on the clay 
I think a little bit more than the other services at Wimbledon. She's going to feel the pressure, but here, you know, clay is not her surface, so she can just go for it. I think she's got a very tricky opponent, though. She's going to slice and dice her way through that match, so I hope she's in the right frame of mind to cope with it. She's going to have to work very hard. I know you've got your question marks over Contra on the clay, haven't you, Chris? The fact that she can't slide is a big concern for you. I think it's huge. A total non-slider does not win French Opens. I think Joe Conta would just be delighted with a reasonable run. Two, three, maybe she's got, four. She's got a good part of the draw, yeah, though. But I think in a way that, you know, does that help her or does it add to the pressure of I've got a really good opportunity to have my best French Open, perhaps? I, is there anyone in the draw that's not thinking I've got a great opportunity to have my best French Open? I mean, that's how it is, isn't it? Yeah, Joe was practising hard last week. <laughs> I thought, come back, Joe, come back. He's referring to Joe Jury here, not Joe. We, we assume that Joe Conta was practising hard last week. Uh, very finally, a word on Andy Murray, who will kick off his campaign tomorrow. I've talked so much about how dodgy I think he's looked in practice. He's playing it all down, says he's not tired, says he's feeling fine. Everything's fine with Lendl and Delgado in the camp. He's shaking off whatever cough or ailment he's got. Do you believe him? What are we expecting? What's going to happen? From one former British number one to another, Joe. Come on, what's going to happen? Well, it's been interesting hearing your reports, Catherine. I'm not sure has he had a bug or not. Um, I think he'll cope with it, but I think he's got a tricky opponent, Chris, hasn't he? There's no doubt about it. I mean, the guy played really well in Geneva last week, pushed Stan Wawrinka in the semi-finals. He can play. He's got game. He's got a Bjorn Borg sort of gate. Bjorn Borg, French Open could cause lots of problems I, what I do like about Andy Murray is his, his, his honesty about where his form's been of late and he's basically said look I'm nowhere near where I was I'm nowhere near where I want to be I've got to try and somehow make this happen starting in round one at the French Open I think that honesty and appraisal of where he is right now will really help him the other huge factor is Mr Lendl he needs him always he's one big with Lendl. He's only one big with Lendl by his side. Whether it's too late, they've rejoined up again this year and the damage has been too deep for him to recover from in terms of confidence and self-belief and all that sort of stuff. But Andy Murray, if he can get through two, three rounds, has to be a contender. Absolutely. I agree. I think he's at risk in the opening rounds, but if he gets the second week, he's a contender. I'm going to let you go now, but not before, given that I've got you both together here, which is an unusual special thing away from the Eurosport commentary booth. You've got to tell me and tell the Tennis Podcast listeners how long you two have known on each other. Come on. Well, we're going to show our ages here. I think it's got to be at least, at least 40... Well, it's, it, since I, we were 11, yeah, you, I mean, it, you're it, that is extraordinary, isn't it? That you're still in the commentary box together, and I mean, that is amazing. We haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> it's my TV wife. I mean, it really is. You're off to dinner together now. Where are you off to? What's the cuisine for tonight? Well, we can highly recommend it. It's Bistro 42, very close to the hotel. Fantastic French cuisine. If ever you're in Paris, anybody, Bistro 42. Fantastic. And now they've been plugged on the tennis podcast, we're probably going to get freebies, Chris. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, both of you, for appearing on the tennis podcast. It has been a fantastic day of tennis. Go to the restaurant before the heavens open. I will see you tomorrow. This has been day two of the tennis podcast from Roland Garros 2017. We are brought to you in association with The Telegraph and, of course, with Eurosport. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 